Indigo Studio, a Chicago-centric show. The place where it starts, covering today's topics, new authors, pop culture, trending topics, and of course, politics. Our topics are engaging, controversial, and authentic. This is where real talk takes place. We are going to bring it out with a fresh perspective, a hip view as we just talk about it. Indigo Studio presents real conversation about topics of the day. Hermine Hartman and Shannon Peoples are the co-hosts, and we welcome you to Indigo Studio, making talk in vogue again. New show, new look, new people with Viewpoint bringing it to you. Let's make talk real again. Hi, I'm Shannon Peoples. I'm Hermine Hartman. Today we're discussing the shooting and killing of black Chicago teen Laquan McDonald by white police officer Jason Van Dyke, his conviction and his attempted cover-up. So we're going to talk about urban violence and we're going to talk about it with uh, two men who played a very, very serious role. We're going to be talking to Reverend Gregory Livingston, Coalition for a New Chicago and Pastor Marvin Hunter of the Grace Memorial Baptist Church. He also is the uncle of Laquan McDonald, the young man who was shot 16 times in the back in Chicago. Let me kind of give a summary uh, of the case before we get into our discussion. On October 20th, 2014, Officer Jason Van Dyke shot 17-year-old Laquan McDonald 16 times in the back. At first, when the case appeared, it appeared as though it might have been a case of self-defense, or was it murder, or was it a cover-up from the get? For the first time in 50 years, a policeman was charged with murder and found guilty after a month-long trial of second-degree murder and 16 accounts of aggravated murder, and he was found not guilty of official misconduct. In Chicago, on average, every five days, a policeman fires a gun at someone, and too often that someone is a black male. These cases are routinely covered by the media, and a code of silence and sometimes a cover-up occurs. But this case was different. The community got involved. The case immediately went to the streets. Marchers marched downtown Chicago on the Magnificent Mile, chanting 16 shots, and called for the resignation of Mayor Rahm Emanuel and the firing of Police Superintendent Gary McCarthy. McCarthy was eventually fired, and Emanuel decided not to run for mayor for the third time. Was there a cover-up from the mayor's office? It's one of the questions we're going to put to our guests today. But before we do that, let me give you a little more information. This case was politically charged from the get. Freelance journalist, a young man by the name of Brandon Smith, filed a Freedom of Information Act with the Chicago Police Department asking for the videos on the night Laquan McDonald was shot. The CPS refused, citing that an ongoing investigation was occurring and they could not be released. On August 5th, Smith filed suit against the CPD, releasing, asking for release of the videos. On November 19th, Cook County judge ordered the release of the tapes. December 1st, Mayor Rahm Emanuel fired Gary McCarthy, superintendent of the police department. The case went to trial in September of 2018. A verdict was rendered guilty on October 5th, 2018, guilty of second-degree murder. The case changed Chicago politics. Marches took place in the streets. Chicago got a new state's attorney. Chicago got a new police superintendent. And Chicago getting a new mayor. Would there have been a verdict of guilty had the video not been released. These are some of the things we want to talk to our guests about today. Uh, Reverend Livingston, 
you were insistent and persistent uh, in marching and asking for the mayor's resignation. Uh, there were three major marches. One was on the Dan Ryan, had about 5,000 people. You saw the marching ought to take place in a different way. Tell us what you saw and what your idea was. What was the King model? Uh, when we did the Lakeshore, and thank you for having me on the show. Uh, when we did the march, uh, the Lakeshore Drive shutdown and the Wrigley Field march, uh, I picked August 2nd intentionally because that August 5th, that Saturday, was the 52nd anniversary of Dr. King's march through Marquette Park. In and, Chicago. In Chicago, yes. And when he did that march in 1966, he didn't have the sanction of Richard J. Daley, the mayor, nor the sanction of the police chief, whoever that was at the time. And King was sitting ahead with the brick, failed. Fortunately, he was able to get up and to continue the march. But that march at that time was about restrictive covenants. If people have seen or read the book, the movie, uh, the play, Raisin in the Sun, Lorraine Hansberry, a Chicago Southsider, that's what the movie or the play was about, restrictive covenants, where white families would sign a covenant and agree not to sell their homes to black families. And again, it was reinforcing this diabolical doctrine that has existed in the United States, and especially in Chicago, of segregation. So what we saw is that there was a tale of two cities. And we knew that if we went on a weekday at the start of Lollapalooza uh, with the Cubs baseball game, playing on the beautiful north side of Chicago with a bunch of west siders and south siders and everybody else who wanted to come along, we would get some attention because we were going after them in terms of this is the money area. You don't see shuttered businesses. You don't see blocks with foreclosed homes. Everything is thriving, and there's a reason for that. And in the same intent with the O'Hare shutdown, our intent was there was to go after the commerce. The, the O'Hare was the second march. It was the second march, and that was on uh, Labor Day, September uh, the 3rd. Picked that date also intentionally because on September 4th, it was the 52nd anniversary of the march through Cicero, Illinois, that was about the brutal beating death by a white mob of the black teenager, Jerome Huey. And we knew that next day, after that anniversary of that march, would be the beginning of the Laquan McDonald trial. We were showing that none of this stuff is new. None of us had just woke up in the morning and said, hey, let's do this. This has been ongoing in Chicago. But with men like Reverend Hunter and others, we said, it's time to put these things to a stop. Larry, what are you doing? Saving energy. Well, you're not doing anything. I'm also saving money right now. How? ComEd. They recycled my old working fridge for free. Plus, they have rebates on energy efficient products. So you're saving now? And I'll save later on my energy bills. Customers have saved about $500 on their energy bills with the ComEd Energy Efficiency Program. What are you guys doing? Saving energy. They said I have troll teeth. That my voice sounded like a possessed baby doll. That no one would ever love someone as stupid as me. That I was fat. Ugly. Disgusting. The effect of bullying is potent. We will no longer be the silent majority. Now, when you see online bullying, there's something you can do about it. We're gonna take action with the eye. I am a witness. I am a witness. I am a witness. I am a witness. I am a witness, and so are you. Indigo Legacy Black Lux is an incredible hip history about Chicagoans. It is exactly like nothing else. 
Indigo Legacy is a new history book with eight pounds of awesome stories that inspire. This book has been 28 years in the making. Read about what Black achievement looks like in a modern day with 496 pages and 300 full-color exclusive photos. Order your copy today at indigolegacy.com. Now, you were persistent all along in asking for the resignation of the mayor and the police superintendent. Why was that so important to you? Well, for one thing, the buck stops with the mayor. He can't put a Chinese firewall between himself and the police department. Everything stops with the mayor. He's in charge. He controls city council. And, and the things that, that he did that went along with that to suppress the video in order for the benefit of his reelection, that was wrong. And now that the verdict has been rendered and Laquan's death has been rendered a murder, he legally covered up a murder for the benefit of his reelection. And so we understood this from the beginning and the way that things were developing. And, you know, Reverend Hunter, of course, could talk more about this, but the unsolicited funds and all these things that happened, these things are all nothing but hush money, which is one reason now we're even investigating, talking to the Department of Justice, uh, looking at Rahm Emanuel uh, as one who obstructed justice. He covered up a murder. So we have to stay on this. And I knew that we couldn't let it go. We have to be persistent because the scheme of the oppressor is this. He, he, he outlasts you and he outresources you. So he says, if we can outlast them and if we can outresource them, because this is emotional, the emotions will dissipate and then we can go on as usual. But ours was not emotion, emotional. Ours was principle. So we said, no, we have to do this based upon principle. And we kept going, kept going, kept going. And whether individuals want to credit us for this happening or not, I'll say it like this. We weren't out there for nothing. Now, the two protests, they were brilliant in their execution. They were very peaceful. Thank you. And uh, you hit the vital sections of the city, transportation and finances. My question is, do you think that these protests opened up the eyes uh, to the people in power that we're no longer going to accept nor tolerate abuse, brutality and killings from Chicago police officers from this point going forward? Yeah, that's why I had them uh, historically bookended, if you will, with the Cicero March and with the Marquette March. Because that way it shows that we are within the historical continuum. And again, we, we have momentum based upon things that have already happened and we're carrying this into the present and the future. And so when they saw us come together in that way and literally shut down Lakeshore Drive and to go down there to the Cubs game and, you know, people talk about there were more police officers than were you guys. But when King marched through Selma, there were 2,000 police officers and 500 marchers. When they went through Cicero, there were, uh, I'm sorry, 500 in Selma, 2,000 police officers, and in Cicero, 250 marchers and 3,000 police officers because that's the job of law enforcement to protect everything. And so we understood and they saw what was happening. They called me up and they said, do you know how much that it costs the taxpayers in order for the police and the various agencies to deal with your march? I said, do you know how much violence costs the taxpayers? Do you know how much poor education costs the taxpayers? Do you know how much bad health care costs the taxpayers when people have to use the emergency room for their doctor? So you add those costs up and compare that to what we did to bring attention and shed light on that, and you tell me. Here, this is yes. an open question. Besides the resignation of Chicago Mayor Rahm Emanuel, uh, whose resignations are you demanding? Well, well, when you cut the head off the snake, the body dies. 
So we were demanding his resignation, the resignation of uh, Eddie Johnson. Eddie Johnson and I attended high school and grammar school together. You know, but we got this is the police chief. Police chief, superintendent. Mm -hmm. Yes, but we have our big boy pants on. You know, he was illegitimately hired, which goes again shows Chicago's corruption, which breeds the violence. You cannot talk about the violence and ignore the tree that produces it, which is so much of this corruption, which finds its expression in segregation. And so, you know, he suspends uh, the vetting process that a half a million dollars of taxpayers' money was spent upon. We had three law enforcement executives who were known as reformers. He didn't want those. The law was suspended for a day in city council. He appointed a man who didn't apply for the job, nor was interested in the job. And he gets in there. Then Eddie says that in his career, he's never seen racial discrimination on the job. I said, Eddie, how can you say that when you send officers to racial sensitivity training? But again, this is part of that old plantation political system that has existed in Chicago. And now we come in like Moses, let my people go. But, but Greg, one thing I want to make clear to our audience is that uh, Eddie Johnson was not the police, police superintendent when this incident occurred. This is true, but he also faces the situation with the officers that are coming up that lied on their reports. He signed off on those reports. Mm -hmm. So, you know, uh, he inherited the case. He inherited the case, mm -hmm. but, he, but he signed off. He wasn't chief uh, superintendent when he signed off on them. Mm -hmm. Again, it is this system that has existed where white police officers would operate with impunity because they knew there would be no consequence for their poor, negative, or bad behavior. It's just Pastor like the Hunter, quote that you said, employees can only get away with what they're allowed to, to, to get away with. Right, when you're a cop out there, any employee, McDonald's, White Castle, even Harold's Chicken, you'll only do what you know you can get away with. The hardest thing with mental health is it becomes a spiral. And sometimes all you literally need is a little catalyst to like help you to stop. When I'm in pain or when I'm suffering, like I have a really hard time reaching out and asking for help. I know it's so hard to talk about mental health, but when you don't talk about it, you feel more isolated, you feel more alone. If you feel something in your gut, if you feel something's wrong, you should, you know, talk to him about that. Learn more about how to start the conversation at seizetheawkward.org. Larry! What are you doing? Saving energy. Well, you're not doing anything. I'm also saving money right now. How? ComEd. They recycled my old working fridge for free. Plus, they have rebates on energy-efficient products. So you're saving now? And I'll save later on my energy bills. Customers have saved about $500 on their energy bills with the ComEd Energy Efficiency Program. What are you guys doing? Saving energy. Pastor Hunter, let me uh, first of all offer condolences to, to you for the loss of your nephew. Thank you. Um, but your voice has been persistent. It's been consistent. Yet it's been the voice of calm. It's been the voice of tranquility. It's been the voice of peace. It's been the voice of an uh, eloquent voice addressing Very. what really was a horrific incident. They could have sparked riots in this city. Talk to me about the calm of your reaction in this situation. As I looked at the, the overall dynamics of the situation that had happened with my, ne my great nephew, Laquan McDonald, I realized that uh, this was a pivotal moment in time mm -hmm. that, that doesn't happen often, mm -hmm. but when it does, it creates what my wife preaches sometimes called change, shift, and position. Mm -hmm. 
change, shift, and position. And position. Uh, for instance, the, the death of Emmett Till mm -hmm. brought about uh, the emergence of Rosa Parks, mm -hmm. which actually created Dr. King mm -hmm. and gave him the national platform that he needed mm -hmm. to continue to break down the walls of segregation across this country. Mm -hmm. uh, and when I, when I realized that, I, I realized that they fought that battle, not with guns and, mm -hmm. and knives, but they fought that battle uh, by understanding what those laws were by projecting to the world that uh, we as a people, although we were brought here, many of us, against our will, uh, are, are, are indigenous to this land. 400 years, we are indigenous to America. We've been here longer than anybody. Exactly. Mm -hmm. exactly. Mm -hmm. And so therefore, we must take these laws that are on these books and find a way to make those laws work for us, for us. Mm -hmm. So I began to ask God, God, how do I disagree without becoming violently disagreeable? But how mm -hmm. can we make these laws work for us when historically um, laws have been used against us? Well, one of the things that, uh, that has been the next step uh, for Laquan McDonald saga that we're, we're living uh, is I didn't want to minimize his death just to the conviction of Jason Van Dyke. I wanted to go after the root problem that caused and created the Jason Van Dyke, that gave him the mindset to believe that what he was doing was okay, because it's systemic, not just in Chicago, but abroad across this country. There seems to be two set of laws here, mm. uh, one for black men, one for black men, and one for white men. Uh, it seems as if uh, it's been said that if Laquan had just surrendered to the police, we wouldn't have this situation. I've seen situations where there's been a white perpetrator and what they do is they, 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 they expend every way possible to de-escalate the situation. They try to talk them down. They make them offers. And if force is needed, they just use just the amount to incapacitate the person. They shoot them in the leg. It seems as if with people of color, they just come in with shoot to kill. Well, let us deal with recent history. Uh, a white white boy shoots black people, and they take them to Burger Kings before they arrest them. Correct, I uh, saw shoot that. Shoot nine black people in <laughs> church. They take them, and to, took them to lunch. They take them to lunch. But here, here's why where God had begun to take me. I said, Well, okay, Lord, show me what created this. And and it was when I was sitting in the courtroom, and one of the police officers that were testifying against Jason Van Dyke under immunity. She had gotten caught lying on her report. And so there was a federal invest in the investigation. And she was black. And she was, no, she was Hispanic. However, she said that when Jason Van Dyke shot Laquan McDonald, the first phone call that she made was to the FOP, the Fraternal Order of Police. That is the union for the police officers. And what I discovered was that the FOP's contract it's really not a contract. Mm -hmm. It is actually a law. Now, some people say, well, he's wrong. He's wrong. Well, I need to, to expound on it. Really, in Chicago, the contract is called a contract. But when you get to Springfield, it's called the Uniform Peace Officers Disciplinary Act. The Uniform Peace Officers Disciplinary Act. That particular law, which is in Springfield, gives the city council 
members plausible deniability. Every we're going to the city council trying to get them to strike down the FOP contract, and they're saying we can't do it. They're saying that that uh, you know we're having problems dealing with it. But they're never telling their constituency that you are at the wrong place. You need to be in Springfield mm -hmm. because it is in that law that is within Springfield that you will find the Jim Crow laws mm -hmm. that existed during mm -hmm. the Emmett Till era that mm -hmm. created the atmosphere for Emmett Till that are in those laws right now today. Mm -hmm. And so what we're doing is we're asking our elected officials in Springfield to take a forensic look at that particular law. And I believe it's 50 ILC uh, 725. And so we're asking them to take a a forensic look at that law and sift out the Jim Crow laws that exist within them and take those things out. Because when you do that, then what happens is it forces the FOP to become what it was originally designed to be. And that is an advocacy organization for the people that work for the city of Chicago. The, the way that we're living now, the FOP has more authority over our Chicago police officers than the superintendent, than the lieutenants, than the captains. And it is virtually impossible for them to fire bad officers. And that, that, that was the case, that was the point that uh, McCarthy made, is that he did as much as he possibly could do uh, uh, within his legal rights. Absolutely, which, which is, is really uh, 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 Jim Crowism at his mm -hmm. best. As, as Pat the Hunter has so eloquently stated, you know, this, you know, there's a difference between legislative morality and moralizing legislation. And we're talking about the legislation is immoral and therefore must be changed because it doesn't work for anyone. And, you know, as he was saying, we're, one of the things we're pushing for as a demand is a renegotiation, a community-led renegotiation, mm -hmm. because we want to protect the police officers against frivolous complaints and things from criminals. We understand that. But also, we don't want to allow them to be able to have the leeway or the latitude to have the time to get to collude and to bring about a cover-up, which is what happened with his great-nephew. So let me say, what it, it's, it, and rather more than morality, more than it being a moral issue, it is also a legal issue right. because I contend, as I begin to look at that law, that it actually violates the 14th and the Fourth Amendment Amen. rights of mm -hmm. African-American people. It violates the 14th and the Fourth Amendment rights. Let's just give you an example. How many times have you seen police officers come up because two or three black guys were standing on a corner? Mm -hmm. There was no probable cause, but they get out and they frisk them. Mm -hmm. They get out and they and they and they pat them down and then and then from there the, the situation escalates. Mm -hmm. Well, we have the right to assemble in this country, mm -hmm. and the Fourth Amendment protects that. Uh, the Fourteenth and the Fourth Amendment uh, within those with those rights are supposed to be protected. And also, if you look at the law that is down there, and then you see how the police treats us, what you'll discover is that we almost live under an apartheid system mm -hmm. because I shouldn't need an ID to stand on a corner. If you want to. In you America. Should, you should be free. In America, we should be free. And so we must change. And, and, and I'm not, let's, let me be clear. I am not against the police officers having a union, but I am against a union that will hold an entire uh, a police department mm -hmm. in a city like Chicago hostage. Mm -hmm. If we change the laws in Springfield, not only will we save the lives of other black men and women, 
that have died at the hands of unjust police officers because they feel nothing could happen to them mm-hmm. for doing what they're doing. But we will also free up the good police officers mm-hmm. that because they are under siege. Mm-hmm. We will actually free up the judges and the prosecutors that are trying to do their jobs under this Jim Crow oppressive situation that we live in. Hi, I'm Eric Cameron of Clear Vision Multimedia. If you are in need of a film company to film and edit your next event, look no further. We are just what you have been looking for. We have filmed, directed, and edited well over 100 projects with over 20 years of experience in filming. We specialize in filming music video, talk shows, gospel TV programs, independent film projects, and much, much more. At Clear Vision Multimedia. Pastor Hunter, I wanna, uh, one of the things that happened in this case was a settlement. Uh, and uh, the family was paid $5 million in a settlement uh, with a city council vote of 47 to zero. Uh, this act alone uh, is an admission of guilt. What were the terms of that settlement? Well, let, let me clear up one thing, too. Uh, number one, they gave $5 million to the mother and the daughter. Not to the family. Okay. However, however, rightfully so, uh, they they cut this deal, and under that agreement, the one thing that I that I made sure happened was that my niece would not sign anything that would not allow us to get justice mm-hmm. for the wrong that this police officer did. No cover up. No cover up. Okay. And so, because what we learned is that the the Chicago uh, City Council have paid settlements in the past. Mm -hmm. But when they paid those settlements, many times people have assigned agreements Mm -hmm. that they would not prosecute or even talk about the case. They wouldn't prosecute the officer or wouldn't talk about the case. Well, we vehemently denied anything that would have that. And and we have the contracts and the language to prove this. And that's why you saw us at court from gavel to gavel with Jason Van Dyke. That's why we've spoken out throughout the, uh, the whole entire here today, and you've seen the impact that this sentence, I mean, this crime has had on Laquan McDonald and his family. You've seen the impact on uh, the Van Dykes and their family and the children. That's the shame, tragedy for both sides. So this is not easy, and I don't expect it to be easy. I th- my findings are an appropriate sentence would be 81 months in the Illinois Department of Corrections, two years mandatory supervised release. This sentence represents the sentence of a second-class citizen. It reduced Laquan McDonald's life to a second-class citizen. We want to heal. We want to be able to create better relationships between law enforcement and the black community. That's something that we want. But we can't have that unless we hold law enforcement accountable. Indigo Studio, a Chicago-centric show. The place where it starts, covering today's topics, and of course, politics. Our topics are engaging, controversial, and authentic. This is where real talk takes place. We are going to bring it out with a fresh perspective. Let's make talk real again. Indigo Studio, 